Welcome to the Motif Podcast. We support the healing, well-being, and connection among women of color by sharing their stories. I am your host, Shanetta McDonald. Here you'll hear from women of color who are navigating the world just like you. We hope you feel seen, we hope you feel heard, and we hope you feel connected. Today, our storyteller is Dr. Nita Landry, contributing co-host of the Emmy Award-winning talk show, The Doctors. Known as Dr. Nita, Dr. Nita Landry has shown millions of viewers how to optimize their health, shatter limiting beliefs, and become the best version of themselves. In addition to The Doctors, Dr. Nita has appeared as a board-certified medical expert on national TV shows like The Today Show, CBS News, Dr. Phil, and Inside Edition. And she has been featured in major publications such as Self Magazine, Essence Cosmopolitan, Women's Health Magazine, People Magazine, and Glamour. Community outreach is also at the core of what Dr. Nita values most as founder of the nonprofit A Healthier, Happier Me, in which Dr. Nita's mission is to provide young people with life-saving knowledge and awareness about their body and mind through interactive live events. Dr. Nita will also soon be publishing her long-awaited book focused on encouraging readers to strive for optimal health. Welcome, Dr. Nita. Hi, thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining. I have, and we didn't even talk about this because we've had so many tech issues today, um, about how we initially met, uh, connected, I don't know, years ago, and I think it was Dr. Carolyn or Carolyn Berry's hosting class it was I mean it had to be I've been in Los Angeles now eight years so I think it had to be like seven or eight years ago yeah I think I may have been here like yeah maybe six years yes maybe yeah something like that it's been a long time a long long time um and obviously I think that impacts positively uh the work that you do today as as co-host of of the doctors which we'll get into a little bit further but as always with these uh, stories that we share we like to start from the beginning and learn more about our storytellers background and a little bit about their upbringing and how it got them to where they are today so I'll start at the beginning where did you grow up and what was that like I grew up in Alexandria Louisiana it is a small town, not really close to anything anybody has ever heard of before. <laughs> um, so I'm country, country. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm from Alexandria, Louisiana, and it was amazing. I mean, I played outside without my shoes on and, you know, had neighbors who reprimanded me when I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. <laughs> just the regular, back-in-the-day country child stuff. That was my childhood. Mm. And what were your family dynamics like? Did you have siblings? I do have three older sisters, okay. so I am the youngest. Ooh. And yeah, so it was me, my mom, my dad, and my three older sisters just hanging out, trying to do the best we could at life. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? And I don't know much about that region in particular. You know, I want to assume it may have been predominantly black, but, but please share more. And also, how did your blackness impact your upbringing in, in that region or where you grew up? My dad was an, an elementary school principal. And so the elementary school that I went to was predominantly white. Mm. Um, and I grew up 
in a black neighborhood, but I wasn't always in a situation where there were a lot of other African-American kids around, meaning like when I went to school. So I would say one of the biggest ways that my blackness impacted me was just in regards to my education and like just Mm -hmm. seeing how different people perceived my knowledge base or where my knowledge base was supposed to be. So to take a step back, my mom was always really big on education. She was like, you girls, you, you gotta you gotta get educated. You gotta go to school. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I'm out here. I'm trying to be my best self. I'm trying to learn. I was motivated in school. But, you know, a kid is a kid. Yeah. So you want your teachers to, to push you not to be more than, you know, you can be in that particular area, but just to be the best version of yourself. And along the way, what I found was... I had great teachers and mentors from all races. Like one of my favorite teachers, even in residency, is a white man. He's no longer here with us. Um, He passed away, but he was amazing. So I don't want to make it seem like this is a blanket statement. Mm. But when I look at the overall picture, I felt like there were situations where I would encounter like white instructors and they would on one end of the spectrum or another, meaning they would either be like, oh my gosh, you can read, that's amazing, <laughs> you're doing great, or they would be on the other end of the spectrum where they would be like, uh, you thought of a cure for the common cold, mm, yeah, that's still not good enough, kind of thing, like yeah. nothing was ever good enough. And I think when you're trying to learn and be the best version of yourself, that's not an optimal position to be in. Whereas I will say with, uh, and once again, I'm making a, a blanket statement, a generalization, but in a lot of instances when I was being taught by an American teacher, it would just be like, okay, I need you to be the best version of yourself. Hmm. And if they were talking to another student and like maybe another student was better at sucked at art, like another student was bad, better at art. So when I showed up, they didn't expect me to to be great at art, but yeah. with science stuff, they, they expected a lot of me. So I say all that to say, I felt like being Black impacted my educational journey the way it impacts a lot of people's educational journey, because in some instances, people don't expect enough of you, or they expect too much of you. And like when you have that that struggle going on, it can be hard to to become the best version of yourself You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Instead of just being allowed to exist (laughs) (laughs) and be a human or a child. Yes. And not having someone think you should do more or less based on the color of your skin. Like, help me figure out what the best version of myself really looks like. And like, let's strive for that. Exactly. The best version of myself, not anyone else, but myself. Exactly. Wow. And so education was obviously really important in your household growing up. What were some of your interests as a a child and how did that lead you into the trajectory of your career? Some of my interests growing up included entertainment and medicine. (laughs) Mm. So when I was a little girl, I would like chase my sisters around the house and try to do TV interviews. Oh my God, I love it. They were not willing participants. (laughs) (laughs) They did not want to assist me with my dreams, but I would do that. And I was interested in like plays and just all of this other stuff. Like some other kids, they would shy away from the camera. Like when the camera was on, that was, 
I really enjoyed it. Like I would turn on instead of turning off when the camera <laughs> came on. And then I was also interested in science. And I think one big thing in general is just to remind kids that they really can do whatever they want to do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense, it's kind of like those are two very different careers. Yeah. Um, but just being in an environment where people were like, oh, yeah, you can do whatever you want to do. Not that everybody always supported the, the vision that I had. But <laughs> at least having a few people mentioned to me that I could be whatever allowed me to say okay well you know I'll do both so I was just interested in entertainment and medicine um so I ended up combining the two and I wanted to be an astronaut too but okay and, and a professional too <laughs> oh my gosh so much <laughs> well, <it> didn't work out. <laughs> I think you made some good safe bets though <laughs> And so you obviously you go to medical school. How do you how do you land in L.A.? I would love to know um, how does your your college career and your medicine career lead you into entertainment? How did you bridge the two? Well, when I graduated from medical school, I completed my OBGYN residency. And um, after that. I became a traveling doctor, meaning I traveled across the country practicing medicine um, from New York to California, Wisconsin, Texas, like all over. And one day I was in the Midwest and it was winter. Mm. And now, mind you, I'm from Louisiana, so (laughs) I had never experienced this kind of cold before. It was ridiculous. I was like, I don't know how people live here. They were I just didn't get it. And I was getting dressed for work. And the the guy on the news started just saying all of these random facts, like, it's colder here than it is in the North Pole. And, like, all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm I'm done. Right. So I I bought a plane ticket to Los Angeles. And just to backtrack a little bit, when I was a little girl, my sister lived in Los Angeles. And I came and I... I came to visit and I fell in love with it. I was like, that's mm. where I'm going to live when I grow up. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm in the Midwest. It's super cold. And I'm like, I'm done. So I put in my 30 day notice. Um, and I fly to, to Los Angeles. And then when I get here, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do the entertainment thing. Now, mind you, I majored in biology <laughs> in undergrad. And I had done some little plays in Alexandria, Louisiana. I was a teen reporter, but like I had no formal training or anything, right? So I I start going to like these little sessions at my church, in, which in the church that I go to, they have a lot of entertainment people. So they would do like these little sessions and stuff. And I meet someone and then they're talking to me and they're like, oh, do you have a reel? And the way they said it, I knew that I should know what a real <laughs> <laughs> but I had no clue. Now, normally when I don't know about something, I'll say, I'm not sure. Like, can you tell me about that? But the way they said it, I was like, okay, I cannot tell this person I don't have a real whatever that is. So I'm like, oh, no, but I'm working on it. And they're like, okay, good. Let me see it when it's done. So I walk out, and I'm on my phone. I didn't know if it was spelled R-E-E-L or R-E-A-L. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> How do I so Google I this? Google it. <laughs> R-E-E-L, just in case. No. <laughs> <laughs> probably don't because I'm pretty sure everybody knows it. Um, but yeah, so I look it up. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I need a video <laughs> of some sort to show some stuff. So I jump in some classes, hence <laughs> how I met you. Mm-hmm. I think that was maybe one of the first classes I, I was in. Oh my gosh, you took more? 
Yeah. I, that was it for me. <laughs> I yeah, loved it, but yeah. that was it. Education is key. It know? is. Like, I showed up here with a suitcase and a dream. Oh, yes. And not knowing what a real was. Like, I had to do more. <laughs> I had to put in some work, get mm-hmm. some education. So I jumped in some classes, and um, then I was like, okay. So I... <laughs> I was like, I guess I need to do the video now. So I go out on Hollywood Boulevard, no permit, no nothing. Oh I like gosh. hire a random cameraman and rent some equipment. And I'm on the sidewalk asking people random questions like, how many holes do women have down there? <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Just whatever. Ignorance is bliss because you know you're not supposed to be out there without a permit and <laughs> like all this other stuff. So, but I did it and I put together a reel and then I put it on a website. And I was like, I hope somebody likes this or picks it up. And in any case, I ended up being invited to be uh, just a guest expert on the Doctor's TV show. Wow. And then it was like the following. They were like, you want to be uh, a guest co-host? Which <laughs> means you get to participate in the whole show as opposed to just being in one segment. Got it. Sure. And it went well. And one thing led to another. And I ended up being uh, a regular, like, recurring co-host slash contributing co-host. And, yeah, here we are. That's a long way to say here we are. But that's kind of how I, I landed here. No, I mean, that's really helpful, though. And I it's so funny. I remember in that class, I mean, gosh, there had to be maybe 10 of us, I think, at the most. And you were all you were really good. I was like, she's really good. And she's like, she has like a doctor degree, a doctor degree, a doctor degree. <laughs> I was like, she's really Thank smart. Yes. When I see somebody on a commercial, I'm like, yes. Okay. <laughs> I remember when we were all we were all just in class together, like trying to learn different stuff. And now we're like, you're doing your great podcast. Yes. People doing commercials, and so anyway, yeah, yeah I love that. And it's it's such a that class that was the only one I took, um, but it was such a helpful tool, you know. Like it was mm-hmm. one of those things. Like I hadn't realized how much it impacted me and how much I learned from it. And even what I do in my my full time job, like I, I I I speak a lot. You know, I'm in front of people. I have a presence, and it was just I was like I think everyone could take this and be have it be useful and impactful yeah. in their lives yeah, because absolutely. yeah. What do you do? I do sales actually. So yeah. Yeah, I. You yeah, I do. I sell cannabis. Actually, I'm in the cannabis industry. Oh, okay, nice. I I love that. And the reason I ask is that's yes. one of the reasons I love LA so much. People just kind of come and they do their own thing, mm-hmm. and they create this career that is not necessarily textbook. This is how you're supposed to do it. Kind of do this, this, and this. Yep. So I'm always interested to hear what people say. But I'm I'm getting off track. I know. I'm sorry. No, no, oh, no. My gosh, ask ask away. I love that. I love when people outside of the quote-unquote box yes and when I met you though and for nine years I did PR so I actually I in PR for me it was more so very much more so behind the scenes but I, I trained people I did media trainings I, I participated in those but sales is you know a little bit different because now I have to you know it's it's me like I am doing that I'm selling like tangible things you know I'm not necessarily saying that selling stories behind a computer like I am in front of people um so it's related but you know definitely Definitely, you know, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I would love to learn a little bit more about your nonprofit that you have. Tell us how that came about and what your mission and focus is. 
The nonprofit is called A Healthier, Happier Me, and the goal is to educate and empower youth and young adults in regards to physical, financial, and emotional well-being. And um, one of the reasons that I'm doing it is because as I traveled across the country practicing medicine, like with all different types of patient populations from all walks of life, I just noticed such a big discrepancy when it came to what people expected out of healthcare and what they were getting mm. from their healthcare experience. And when I think about black people in general or just the African American community in general, I, I it's it's really unfair and unfortunate that there are these great medical options out there and because of things like structural racism and implicit bias, sometimes you know, African American people they don't benefit from medical advancements the Mm -hmm. way they should when it comes to overall well-being i just feel as though it's important for people to be to have like the physical aspect of it the emotional aspect of it and the financial well-being so i wanted to really be like a 360 degree experience Mm -hmm. i didn't want to focus on one area Okay. That is amazing. I, I've been sharing in on this podcast with storytellers and just in, with people in my personal life. Um, and I think this is definitely related, but, you know, growing up, uh, obviously I'm a black woman uh, and just not knowing and understanding my body and fully understanding and having access to certain information and tools and, and costs and, and yeah, like financially what is available to me has been mind blowing and things that I've started to learn at like the age of 36, like literally just learned. Um, I've shared that I uh, started to seek fertility treatment earlier in the year, which I, I didn't end up going with. Um, but in this process, Nita, I've learned so much about my body. I was like, how did I not know this shit before? Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, why have I not learned so these right. things I mean, so like, much? It, the internet is a blessing and a curse mm-hmm. because there is a lot of great information on there, but there is so much BS on there yeah. that will like have you destroying your mm-hmm. body. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> See, like, Trying to overcorrect things that don't need to be corrected and, and control and change and fix and... Yeah, I was like, I just needed to know the basics, probably. Like, that would have gotten me far. <laughs> yeah, yes. But you, I mean, you did what you need to do, and you figured it out. Yeah. It's just, it can be a journey, and it's it's tough. It can be tough to figure out mm-hmm. what's factual and what's misinformation. Yes, absolutely. So I, I love love the focus of, of your nonprofit. Um, you're also writing a book. A book is coming soon. And I actually reached out to you and your assistant probably close to a year ago. <laughs> so this has been in the works in a while for a while. And I know you've just been so busy with it. So I would love to hear high level what what the focus is of that. And and if you have a timeline as to when it will be available, that'd be great too. Yes. It is scheduled to come out in 2022. Okay. And yeah, a little later in the year. But it is a women's health book, and uh, it's talking about sexual well-being and physical well-being. So it, it kind of goes along with a lot of the things that are what you were just talking about, mm-hmm. kind of just shedding light on misinformation and and things like that when it comes to sexual well-being. It's not a book where I'm like, hey, you should try this <laughs> it's, not, it's not like a how-to to do a sexual position book okay. kind of thing. But it's more 
of a practical guide, like these are things that women really don't think about. But if you really think about these basic things, your sex life could be a whole lot better. Mm. Or when it comes to physical well-being, you know, just kind of shedding light on the different problems that that women face and like how you can approach it. For instance, um, honestly, a lot of people, they they don't ask the right questions at the doctor. Yeah, yeah. but it can be hard to know which questions are the right questions. It's like me when I go to a mechanic or mm-hmm. some other expert yeah. and I'm not well-versed in that particular subject matter. I don't necessarily know what I don't know. I yep. don't know what to ask. But it, I think one example um, that's good is like in the book, I say when you go to the doctor, if you don't really understand what's going on, I kind of talk about how to to navigate that too, but you should ask like, what are all the treatment options Mm -hmm. for whatever it is? Yeah. And then your next question is what treatment options do you offer? Yeah. Because a lot of times people don't, don't realize that those two questions can lead to very different answers. And it doesn't make your doctor a bad doctor. Mm -hmm. It just means that they don't, provide every surgery or treatment or option, you know, under the sun. Yeah. So knowing all of the available options versus what your doctor or your healthcare professional offers, like that's something basic that you can do. So you can say, okay, well, these are all of the options. These are the ones you do. Like, Mm -hmm. well, do I want to stick with you and like just do something that you offer or do I want to go off and maybe work with someone else who can give me one of these, these other options kind of thing. Yes. And that, gosh, that is such a good point. I also learned that it's also just taking courage. So as as I've gotten older and just had more courage to like, you know, ask for the things I need or just even ask more questions. Like, you know, I tell my doctor, this may be a stupid question. I don't understand this. What does this mean? Like, I got these results back. You said it looks fine, but it's a bunch of red on this paper. Like, what? Should I be worried about this? What is this? Um, I went to the doctor this week and I had, in my notes section of my phone, I had a list of questions. I was like, let me just remember to ask him this, 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 and this. And it's true. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. But um, I find that the more questions I ask, that the more I start to be like, you know, what? I don't know everything, but I do know what I would like clarity on. <laughs> like, I do know what's confusing yeah. to me. Well, that's great. And I want to say every question that you ask is a great question. Yeah. Okay. So, Thank yeah, you. <laughs> any question that you have, anything you need clarity on, it's a great question. Ask it. Yes. And you should not walk away from your doctor's appointment feeling like you have no idea what happened. In mm-hmm. Like, you should never walk away feeling like that. What advice do you have for women of color who want to begin to take a look at their health and just take steps toward living a healthier life? Obviously, I know we touched on a little bit of it with, you know, things like doctor's visits, obviously the work you're doing with your nonprofit, but like, I don't know, what are some, you know, small actionable items women can take to begin that journey? I think the the two biggest things would include advocating for yourself, which Mm. we spoke about. That's a big one. Um, And the second one would be know your family history. Mm. Like your family history can give you a lot of clues and it's not necessarily that you will have your, your auntie's fate, you know, Mm -hmm. but just knowing about those red flags or yellow flags, 
can be an opportunity for you and your doctor to be proactive when it comes to preventing that particular medical condition if you are at an increased risk because of genes, whether it's high blood pressure or diabetes, increased risk of cancer or just whatever. Okay. I love it. Know your family history. And what is, personal question, what's an important part of your story that you want women of color to know? An important part of my story that I want women of color to know is just that I didn't follow a traditional path, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Um, And when I say I didn't follow a traditional path, I mean I didn't follow a traditional path when it comes to to my career. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of looking back on what we talked about before, when you're young and you're a kid and you're like, oh, I want to do all these things, people say, oh, yeah, you can do whatever you want to do. But when you grow up (laughs) and you're like, oh, yeah, remember when I said I wanted to put all this random stuff together and create this career that other people typically wouldn't even think could be a thing? I want to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're an adult, a lot of times you're like, "Uh, I don't think that's going to (laughs) work. You should abort that mission or whatever. (laughs) I would just tell people to listen to your intuition and remember, Mm. you know, the saying that God didn't give the vision or the dream to somebody else Mm -hmm. gave it to you. Mm -hmm. And so just being mindful of that and pursuing your dreams and not giving up on yourself and, you know, not getting discouraged. Um, I like for me, that's, that's a big thing because I talk to a lot of people who aren't particularly happy mm-hmm. in their line of work. Yeah. And you spend a lot of time at work. So yeah. to be unhappy <laughs> for like all that time and to be living yep. for the weekend or to be living for a holiday or to be living for the summer or whatever you're waiting for kind of sucks. Yep. So yeah, just figure out what you want to do. Believe in yourself enough to do it even when other people say it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. And if you have a family and responsibilities, I know that, you know, you may have to, to work a job that you don't love in order to fund your dream. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you may have to take baby steps instead of just like leaping and just saying, I quit my job or whatever, but do something. Mm -hmm. If something within you is like telling you, you want to do that thing, like, like do it. And maybe it's not a career. Maybe it's, you know, something you do on the weekends or in the evening or whatever, but just do that thing that you love. Mm, I love it. How can people connect with you and find you, Dr. Nita? I am on social media, and my handle is Dr. Nita Landry, so D-R-N-I-T-A-L-A-N-D-R-Y. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so glad we finally got to connect. (laughs) I appreciate you and really appreciate the work that you're doing, so thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, and congratulations on the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Motif Podcast. We hope you heard what you needed to hear. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review. To find more stories from women of color, sign up for our newsletter on ourmotif.co and visit us on social at ourmotif. Until next time, stay well.